Thanks for listening to the All About Reality Pod. And before you smash that skip ahead button, let me tell you about Breaking Tea and a sweet discount for our listeners. Breaking Tea makes cool, timely, comfy t-shirts and stuff for sports fans. If Pat Mahomes hits on a play called Jet Chip Wasp to win the Super Bowl, they've got a great-looking Jet Chip Wasp shirt the next day. If Max Muncy tells Madison Bumgarner to go get it out of the ocean, same thing. If Megan Rapinoe breaks off the are-you-not-entertained pose in the World Cup, well, you get the point. So check out the site, BreakingTea.com, and use code REALITY15 for 15% off at checkout. It'll help the pod, it'll help Breaking Tea, and it'll help you get a new favorite shirt for you or someone you love. Thanks. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, All About Reality is coming to you. Tonight's guest comes to us from The Athletic, Jake Seeley. Welcome to the program. Uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Matt Goody, we are in the middle of Scott Fishbowl welcoming some great guests. I personally am excited about Jake. I think he might be one of my very first Twitter interactions when I was still like a neophyte on that wonderful website that brings so much joy to us. And he just responded and I was like, oh, this is cool. Real humans respond and, and in a nice way. And it totally ill-prepared me for the rest of my Twitter experience because that has not been it. So Goody, welcome, man. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I, I think, you know, Scott Fishbowl's fun. We've had a fun couple of days and I'm looking forward to getting back into the talking reality sports online a little bit though. I, I think we have some interesting happenings going on in the NFL for various reasons. And, but like reality sports online, I think a lot of people are, are kind of making that turn to start doing the rookie drafts, start scheduling their auctions and whatnot. There's no time to like the present to talk more about that fun stuff. Yeah, it does feel like we're playing games again. And Jake, we have to thank you. You kind of hopped in sight unseen to the podcast uh, analyst league that like as, as com- people coming in, we've got some vaunted names coming in on that. So we're so grateful for your participation. I, I, it'll be fun to test our hand against you. But like, man, welcome to the program. Welcome to trying to talk reality sports online with us. How are you feeling about your Scott Fishbowl experience at the outset, though? Are you feeling good? Uh, I am, but real quick first, is like you said, that I was one of the first people that responded to you, and then you said nicely. So I'm, yeah. I'm not sure, like, if you got the full Jake experience because I don't think most people would agree with you that I'm nice <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> I usually get a lot of pushback for that. So you got you you must have got me on a good day. But uh, Scott Fishbowl is pretty good. Like I, we were talking about before we came on, we're in the twelfth round. You know, I was I was talking with Matt before you joined us is I kind of go into the draft every single year taking some chances because it's what this year it's 1,440 teams. It's almost like you have to have like the lottery ticket team because the final week is five teams. I and mean, you just have to be five of the best 1,440 teams. You yeah. know, you're going to have to get lucky. No, it's so much. So I leave as my pin tweet the one week in Scott Fishbowl a couple of years ago that I was the number one out of everybody in the contest. And it was like, it was like a random week seven. And I was yeah, like, what was the score? The score was probably what, like 280 that week. Yeah, it was great. Exactly. It was something ridiculous. It was like Marquise Brown had gone off for like three touchdowns or something. It was just like something ridiculous. You know, like every guy on my bench was popping off for some reason. It was great. It was good stuff. But yeah, man, you're totally right. It does feel a little bit more like lottery than whatnot at, at this point. But it's such a fun week for the community and like everybody's getting together everybody's chiming in Raheem Mostert trade demands can send shockwaves <laughs> through like grown men's living rooms and women's playing in this thing you know it's very funny like as we as we go there's always at least one 
player related thing that happens during Scott Fishbowl. Like there's always one, like somebody signs, Josh Gordon comes back, the most dirt trade stuff. Like something always happens right during Scott Fishbowl. And it's like, everybody just happened to be on the clock at the time. It's like, it all happens at once. Very much so. Now, and one thing that is, again, I've like, seems like I've followed you for a fairly long time and in your work, would you characterize yourself more as a sports fan or like a uh, sports fan first and then fantasy analyst by happenstance? Or how did like, how did your time at the athletic come about and specifically your time working on fantasy for them? So I think I, it, it goes hand in hand for me. I've liked sports since I was like six, seven years old, actually growing up when everybody's like, Oh, I want to be a professional athlete. I was the guy that was like, I want to be a manager. Like I wanted to manage the Mets. I'm a Mets fan. I wanted to grow up and be the manager of the Mets and make the lineup every single day and tell everybody, who's playing who's performing well that was mine I never wanted to play <laughs> so that's you can see where it started and then you know late in high school early colleges when fantasy sports started becoming a little bit more mainstream in college or, like, or online I should say I got involved in then and this is the back of the day of forums if you guys remember forums <laughs> when those yeah. were the popular yeah. internet things and I was on a New York Giants forum and people talking fancy. I just started jumping in and giving advice. And one of the guys was like, dude, you're doing this every single week. Why, why don't you write something? And so it was actually somebody else's idea. And I started my own blog at Blogspot, if you guys remember that. Yes, indeed. Um, <laughs> I was doing that for a couple of years. And then I started sending my stuff out to anybody and everybody that would accept it. I actually, back in that time, didn't know the right thing to do. And I sent it to talent instead of like managers. Like I sent it to like Max Kellerman and Tony Kornheiser and like anybody I could think of. I uh, probably mailed out at least 50 portfolios in the mail, um, got a few callbacks. And then I got picked up by Scott Angle who brought me on and I actually started with college football and NBA just because I want to get my foot in the door. Like I didn't care. I just wanted to do something, even though I didn't really care that much about the NBA. And then during this time, I have full-time jobs during this whole experience. I have regular jobs. So I'm working essentially two jobs. And then I had a deli and that went under, went bankrupt. And at the end of the deli, I told Scott, I was like, look, I need to either do this full time. Now I'm old enough. Like I need to do this or I need to go back and just find like a real job. And that's when I started full-time, and then Nando and I moved over to The Athletic. It'll be two years in August um, already, the full two years over there. So it's been a wild ride of working at Geico and Lillian Vernon and opening a deli, but it's been the process of making the dream happen all along. I love it. I, Goody, I just have an image of Jake, like Vince Papali, going back to his old form and being like, guys, your boy made it. <laughs> like, you know, like, just let it, like, type it in. It's all began here. Thanks, random user Anon35. <laughs> if I could legitimately find those guys, I would go back and say something. <laughs> that's that's awesome. I, sorry, I got fixated on Delhi for a second as a Cleveland boy living in Seattle where the Delhi is complete nonsense, like unusable, basically. Uh, uh, that's that's I, part I, of I, the reason it, it failed here is because yeah. nobody understood what it was. I had people asking me for hamburgers and pasta. Like it's a deli. <laughs> they just they, every time they've tried here, they just don't know how to slice meat the right way. I guess like it's it, it's an art that I'm sure you could appreciate, Jake. So 100%. yeah, exactly. Well, while while we pivot from like smoked meats and and whatnot to a little bit <laughs> of, of, of fantasy, and I, I want to talk first. Um, obviously, the athletic is something that I've touted on the on this podcast before. We've had a few guests um, coming to us from, from there. Um, Dr. Renee Miller came on to talk about bi biases, and I love the unique perspective on that. 
that we talked before the show, Michael Salfino came on kind of to talk analytics. And um, Nando and I were in an RSO league together, actually. He, he played for a year um, in, in our league, and that's how I got to know him. So he, he's, he's a great guy. I, I, we've talked so much when we did the Scott Fishbowl Podathon, Luke, that for, I forgot to say because Nando followed us on the pod, that pod that to mention that or whatever, um, that not, you know, that we know Nando and he's good people. So uh, we appreciate you coming on. Let's talk a little bit about your dynasty rankings. I mean, on the athletic, you're ranking 320 players. And, and I, I think what one thing that, that kind of struck me that may differ a little bit from the community, and I want to put this in the RSO lens is you seem to have a kind of an equal mix at the top of receivers and running backs in your dynasty rankings, where I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of other sites maybe skew very heavy on, on the running back. Putting that into a, a reality sports online lens, if you're in a startup league, the, the top end talent is going for probably $40 million a year on a four-year contract. And in most, I would say, informed startup or leagues where the people are doing one or two leagues and then they decide that they have the itch to do another one, maybe with some dynamic scoring or whatnot. So your McCaffrey's, your Barclays of the world are about $40 million a piece. Maybe some of the rookies who haven't seen the field yet, if you're talking startup, those typically are in a rookie draft, may go for, you know, like a guy like CH or Taylor may go for 25, 30 million. And your receivers are probably going in a startup for the 35 to $40 million range. You know, the, the high-end ones like Michael Thomas are probably getting the full 40 and $40 million a year for four years. With that, if you had one four-year contract to use on this, would you be, like, knowing what those are and what your dynasty rankings are, it, the, the, the split-off is, like, you know, obviously useful lives of both of these. So we also have contract extensions as a feature. Usually most leagues have one a year during the season. So after the four years are, you know, in the in the la- final year of a player's contract, if you have a guy like McCaffrey or Michael Thomas, you could pull the trigger on an extension that's algorithm-based based on weekly performance as well, starting in week five of our regular season. And in a receiver's case, those contracts, those agents acting on behalf of the players would want probably four years and, you know, a lot of money after the 4160 that they're signing, especially if they're performing. Would you, kind of keeping in mind the, the life cycle of running backs and everything else, would you, if you were in a startup, would you go receiver or would you go running back and milk the four years, the best four years you're getting out of them? Or would you try to go receiver and maybe make that like an eight-year contract four plus an extension versus the running back which may be four plus one or two franchise tags if the price is right so it, w- it would honestly kind of depend uh, i'll tell you if it's going to be a rookie uh, it would have to be a special case rookie if it's a second year running back like if you were telling me miles sanders uh, you know the biggest concern people have for edwards hilaire and Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift for this year is that are they going to see that much work until the middle point, second half of the season, like Miles Sanders last year. So if you're telling me any of these second-year guys or even like a Barkley who's third year, you know, something like that, I'll do the four years on that because it's harder to find those kind of running backs. Uh, The reason why I say that is because if you were telling me a rookie wide receiver, like even this year with CeeDee Lamb and and Judy and all the rest of them, it's rare that we see a receiver make that kind of impact equitable to a running back in year one even year two it's less frequent it's more frequent for them but less frequent than running backs 
So you really start to see the, you know, like the Chris Godwins and that type of stuff in you know, like the third year, which is why for a few years ago, that used to be the third year breakout. That was such a cliche at the time. So it would depend on between the two, but you know, if you're telling me like inside my top five, like the McCaffrey, the Barkley, the Thomas, the Zeke, and the Cook, you know, I'll lean towards those running backs more than Michael Thomas. And I'm, and this isn't like self back padding, but like I was one of the biggest Michael Thomas fans coming out of college before people jumped on the bandwagon. And I'm still saying I would lean running back a little bit more just because it's harder to find that. But if you're telling me the smarter play, it's going to depend a little bit. And I, I don't want to hedge there, but it, it, the, the truth is it's going to depend a little bit on if I'm getting the rookie in year one, two or three, or if I'm getting the wide receiver, because if it's a wide receiver in year one, I'm going to lean to the running back. But if you can tell me like, if I get Michael Thomas two years ago, I would take him 10 times out of 10. Yeah, I think the the year portion of it, you addressed well, right? Like that's so much part of the calculus of who we are at RSOs trying to figure out what exactly is each one of those years of production worth to us? And it's a slightly different dynamic than the, the, the typical dynasty reflection. And I, and I do remember you being high on Michael Thomas. And that, that points me a little bit, if I can just slightly pivot and build on that. Is, is that something that you found yourself having success with in terms of uh, determining wide receivers of that nature before they break out? Because I, I kind of adamantly follow analysts that I view to be good at that because like that's tends to be a weakness in my game and my analysis. And I look at your dynasty <laughs> rankings and I see people, um, I actually really like the, the slightly sub wide receiver three group as like potentially breaking out this year. And in, in dynasty that, that constitutes people, everybody from like Tyler Lockett at the high end of that to like the Michael Gallup, Keel Harry and, and rookie crowd like Denzel Mims. And right in the middle of that is a guy that's rapidly becoming my guy. Good. He's got you disclosing things. We're going to be in a league together. So I gotta, I gotta like let you know my, I have my love for Darius Slayton keeps growing and, and talk to me about him. Do you, do you really see him as deserving of a spot ahead of like, and Keel Harry and Gallup, uh, where where he's where he's on your rankings over at the Athletic. Yeah, so a big part of it, and I'm glad you brought Michael Thomas in with this, because a big part of for me for wide receivers is I think what gets overlooked a lot of times is the fit in the scheme that they're in. Uh, so I'm gonna pull in a couple names here. I was also, and again, like I've missed on my guys. Like I'm not I'm not gonna say I, I, it's because it's gonna sound like I'm tell, throwing out another one I hit on, but I was one of the bigger fans of Cooper Cup. And the way that the Rams use Cooper Cup from day one, we've seen the success. But as we also know, despite him scoring a touchdown, was it four or five straight games at the end of the season, the snap count started to be concerning because they started pulling him off the field because they're not comfortable using him outside, despite the fact I can think he can play outside. Same thing, Christian Kirk. He's actually in this range that you're talking about with Darius yeah. Slayton. Is the team isn't comfortable yet using him outside, despite the fact I see his ability to be able to work not as well in the slot. But the reason I say that is because we have CeeDee Lamb going to Dallas. You know, does Cooper stay in the slot? Does he bump out? Does CeeDee Lamb stay in there? Like, so we have these situations where how are the teams going to use him? And Michael Thomas at the time, well, the reason I fell in love with him after he was drafted, like I was already a fan, but more so after he was drafted because I said it's the, one of the best fits team to need to skill that I've seen in a long time. Darius Slayton actually think I had a well no I do know don't think I know I had him lower last year because I was actually concerned about his fit with Daniel Jones I don't think Daniel Jones has a great deep ball I think he exploits the short to middle game tremendously coming out of college and the question was about his deep ball I thought he looked better last year than I expected I didn't expect Daniel Jones to be like there's a miss right there I didn't expect Daniel yeah. Jones to do what he did I mean tons of turnovers but for all intents and purposes a successful rookie season so I think Slayton's a good fit here as long as Jones shows that improvement that we 
saw jumping from Duke to the NFL level of being able to throw that deep ball because Slayton's not going to play it at the slot. Sterling Shepard is, Golden Tate is, Everett Ingram, Saquon Barkley are going to take up the short game. So if, if this hinges on Daniel Jones, if Daniel Jones doesn't take another step forward, this will be too high of a ranking. If he does, it actually might be too low. Yeah, and I, I wonder that too. I try to force myself to look at second-year guys and, and assess some of the factors you're talking about. And Goody, speak to me a little bit on this too. Do you find yourself in like this midsummer haze when we, when we go through this stuff where we're emerging from, from rookie drafts in RSO? And I still love those guys, so I think I'm still overrating them for the seasonal aspect. Like I find myself – I mean, I was the guy reaching – I think I picked Jonathan Taylor second highest in the Scott Fishbowl because I love him. Like, like is that you too? Are you, are you guys both in the midst of this – like I still regard these kids with much more esteem than perhaps they've earned yet at the, the NFL level? I, I think in my case, I kind of – in Scott Fishbowl, I'm taking a couple of them just as because of upside plays and how how my draft is kind of coming together. Like I think I I think J.K. Dobbins is my running back too on my team with Nick Chubb. I kind of hammered wide receiver with OBJ and Allen Robinson, Calvin Ridley, and Terry McLaurin. I think before or I think McLaurin I picked after Dobbins, but I was just you know obviously like Jake was saying, you have to hit lottery stuff and hit upside. So. I, I kind of did that and like got Jerry Judy as like a wide receiver five on my team with the same thought in mind. But, um, you know, obviously like my running back room isn't as deep. I, I think that I definitely didn't regard Taylor's high. I mean, I'm, I'm scared about rookie usage, you know, for some of these guys with COVID-19. I think we, we've talked about that a little more recently, just like them being able to practice getting in with the scheme. And if, if they can't pass block for certain <laughs> you know quarterbacks and the running back position they're they're not going to be on the field and then the receivers how do they develop chemistry over over zoom or, or teams or whatever they're you know the teams are using so i i think that's hard so i think that i kind of i'm looking at it more these rookies especially in the reality sports online lens where you're tied to the rookie wage scale and you're picking in two of my three drafts have already happened being like the writers of the podcast league i feel like i'm with with respect to that, I'm drafting more for either team need or where I feel like these guys are going to end up at the end of the day, and not real and kind of thinking that anything that they do this year will be gravy. Yeah, I think for what you're the question, especially we're talking about the contract situation with like you're talking about for Reality Sports Online. Uh, like Dobbins is a great example for that type of situation. Is you know I've had a lot of people ask me that question in Dynasty, and they're like you know. Do you take Dobbins or do you take Jonathan Taylor? And like you, Luke, I'm a, I'm a big Jonathan Taylor fan. I actually, when I was at the combine, I asked him and I, I was trying to lead him into it. It's like, you know, what's your most underrated skill? It's like the fact that I can pass catch. People think that coming from the Big Ten that I can't catch balls. And I do think he's better than people realize there. But at the same time, if you're telling me next year that Mark Ingram's finally done, J.K. Dobbins should be top ten. J.K. Dobbins, Jonathan Taylor – and uh, for me, Swift were the top three for me in a tier. And then Edwards Hilaire and Cam Akers were in the next tier. So the reason I bring that up and why I say Dobbins is because if you're looking at a four-year contract and you're saying, well, I get Dobbins next year, who should be top 10, top 10, top 10 for the next three years, but I have to swallow one year of possibly nothing. But do I take Swift not knowing what Patricia does with his running backs and I sit on an RB2 for four years? You know, do I have the team build for that? And I'll, a lot of time, if I, it's the equitable value, I'll look at, can I build a team that can survive one year and then get the upside for the three years after? 
Yeah, I mean, I love that build. Like, starting with young and potentially like wildly upside running backs is a, is a is an awesome RSO play, one that we've long preached here. So I think I think we're like very simpatico on that. And it and and Matt, we we let's speak to this briefly with Jake here because he's young, he's on the scene, he famously has tons of success being a fantasy analyst in the dating world, like online. You should check it out on Twitter. It's very <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, so good at that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it strikes me that this is Goody and I have alluded to this offline a little bit. Now as we start to hear word trickle out of the NFL. Uh, players association and other things there, there's a real concern about like how these guys are going to work through COVID and I think uh, we focused on how the young guys are maybe at higher risk because like you know they, they still have to like go out and chill and have fun and be young people who are now multi-millionaires and like the older guys in the league uh, initially Goody I think we thought would be like maybe safer plays but I started to think that perhaps that now that the NFLPA is giving them an opt-out clause are some of the more quote unquote responsible guys just going to say like, this is not worth my time uh, and the risk to my family to like go play this game this year. Like, I, I think there's actually, you can catch it like coming both ways if the NFLPA gives these guys a chance to opt out. So does that factor into our draft strategies at all? as we move forward do you think yeah i think you i think you said goody first so you go yeah. for, you go first i'll toss it to you even though it's your show there you go <laughs> <laughs> thanks he's, he's playing the host too it's awesome does that alter my strategy probably not i i i think that the the players are gonna you know especially the ones who play at positions that are short life cycles are going to play i mean they know the they know the risks involved with with everything here I, I think if, if someone's in a special case, and, and I think you kind of have seen some of that in baseball, like where you see the rumblings, like Mike Trout may not play as a pregnant wife at home, you know, I, like those types of things. I, I think there will be cases cases of that going around where, you know, players will have to think through through what their individual situations are. And, and if they have anyone that, that's close to them that's compromised or or they themselves have some type of thing that, that would happen but I, I see your point and, and like I think you know a perfect guy I think you mentioned it to me today Luke like behind the scenes is James Connor you know his cancer survivor like he, he certainly like if, if like could be at a higher risk for COVID or whatnot and and I, I don't know what and he's playing a position I mean I think he's a free agent after this year so he, he certainly has an interesting decision himself to make being that you know he, he's had some health concerns just like on the field stuff getting kind of banged up too and then now you throw COVID into the mix but I'll turn it over to Jake now. Yeah, I think that's for me. It's more rookies and free agents that switch teams. Uh, those are my concerns. To your point, this isn't to be like, "Ooh, look, I had him on my podcast." But like, I was talking to D'Angelo Williams and I asked him about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire because everybody knows I've got a ton of pushback on it. Like, I have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as an RB one, but I continually say the same thing. I continually say, if to your point, Luke, if there is no training camp and then there is no preseason and then there is and they do get zero preseason games. And now we're talking show up week one. And the only thing you had was virtual workouts and virtual practices. And then a handful of practices in person as Andy Reed's playbook is one of the most difficult playbooks in the NFL. And he's not the only one. And I would even say one of the most simplistic playbooks in the NFL is still to ask somebody to switch teams, get zero playing time to be a rookie, to get zero playing time and walk into week one and get the bulk of the touches or targets I think that's something we do have to consider. And that's why I keep saying, if it gets to August and we're still in the same boat, 
I'll push down Edwards Hilaire. I'll push down all rookies. I'll push down the free agents that switch teams because it just has to come into play. But, you know, D'Angelo said, like, if everything goes back to normal, the Chiefs, despite it being a luxury pick, you don't draft somebody in the first round not to give them the ball, and especially as a running back. So I think if everything gets back to normal, we can feel better. But I think we're just going to – I hate to say wait and see, but it does kind of feel like a wait and see approach. Yeah, so – uh, guys that we don't have to wait and see on, and you wrote a couple good articles that that highlight for us guys that may be like overdrafted, and you you do a good job of rejecting some of those. Can you can you name some guys that you're just like, look, like this is what the, where they're being drafted is that yeah, like it's not consistent with what what's going on in in real the reality here. Yeah, so the, the biggest thing, so I did mention rookies. Taylor and Dobbins were in there. Uh, so we've already kind of touched on <laughs> yeah. We've touched on that plenty. Um, but the, the two is, you were actually talking about younger wide receivers, one being second year, one being third. And it's like the DK Metcalf, Cal- Calvin Ridley love is like, look, I love both of them. I, I'm big fans of both of them. And I'll tell you one thing. It was like I was too low on DK Metcalf. But to go back to the conversation we had earlier, I was kind of concerned at how he was going to be used in the NFL. My rookie profile from said this very thing. It said a team's going to have to use him properly. The Seahawks did that. The Seahawks said, you stay to the one side of the field. You do what you do and don't try to do more. And it worked. You know, we've seen cases where you've gone the opposite way. Deshaun Hamilton's a good one. The Broncos kept trying to make him do more than just be a slot receiver. And they got so pissed off at him that they stopped using him. And now he's on the fringe of the, bu- the roster bubble. But the thing that I have a problem with is Metcalf and Ridley is not so much that they're even going wide receiver 15 or 16. It's the names they're in front of. They're in front of a litany of number one wide receivers for their team. Odell Beckham, DJ Moore, Keenan Allen. Let me go look at the article. He's Metcalf's in front of Lockett. Sutton, Chark, Hilton, Parker. Everybody still hates Parker despite finally being – he was wide receiver number two since week four last year. You brought up McLaurin before. Like, again, it's just – it's similar to uh, I'll give you the quarterback one too. Is the, the Aaron Rodgers? Even if you believe he's going to bounce back, why are you taking him at QB ten? And that's what this whole article is about: is why are you buying them at peak value? Like even if they had the best season you think they possibly could, you've still given them no r- room to give you an, uh, like a return on investment. So then, would you recommend to RSO GMs as they listen? There, there's always this tension in the dynasty community about whether or not you buy high or buy low. And it, it seems like a fallacy, right? With as much as people listen to one another and the, and the circles start to go round and round, it's not a lot of opportunity to buy low anymore. So are there, for guys that are, if you really believe in one of those guys, let's say, let's say DK Metcalf is perfect, right? He seems like still a very polarizing player despite his success. And Goody, Goody uses me properly too. He's just like Luke, stay in your lane, run fast, look pretty, and like just do your thing, right? Like, but uh, but um, and but like that's the thing, right? Like, don't I have to go pay a lot for him right now if I really like? I mean, I have to, right? Like, I, there's nothing I can do. I'm compelled as a GM to like go get the guys that I believe in. But you're saying it's probably to the detriment of my larger team because I'm like blowing off Keaton Allen and all these guys that are actually better <laughs> players, right? Well, yeah, it all, it all comes down to certain value, too. Like, you know, of course, Keenan Allen's got so much more age on DK Metcalf for that type of situation. But, you know, like uh, on the flip side of the Amari Cooper, he's in there, too, because I, I rag on Amari Cooper every single year because I just don't understand the fascination with him and the fact that he disappears for six, seven, eight weeks sometimes. That's just so annoying. But even if you're a fan, like, like go back to it. Ter- Terry McLaurin's a good one. I'll bring him up because I – like a lot of people, this isn't me by myself, like a lot of people have been on Terry McLaurin and been on Terry McLaurin since last year. But to your point, the industry 
starts to get this helium because there's you talking about it. There, you know, Goody's talking about it. I'm talking about it. Evan Silva talks about it. And then there are certain players every single year that the industry, if you just follow a bunch of us on Twitter, all of a sudden you, you'll watch their ADP go up and you'll watch their costs go up. And so that's where you got to kind of play the game. And you play the game to your point. Like, let's say it was Metcalf instead of McLaurin. And Metcalf was going up and up and up. And now he's like wide receiver 15, that ADP off the board. Look at the names around him and say, like, all right, is the, do you, if you still believe he can be a top 10 wide receiver, you still have room to buy. And maybe somebody thinks they're selling high, to your point. But it's what you believe in. If you think wide receiver 15 is his peak, you sell the crap out of him. Move on. Like Terry McLaurin in one month could be one of the best sell high candidates in all of football, despite a month ago being one of the most underrated wide receivers in all of football. That's really well said. And Goody, this is a good test case for you because you've actually been a contrarian voice on DJ Moore. Like the, as the rest of the industry has vaulted him into like top five dynasty status, you are you really try to tap the brakes on that particular player. And he, I think he still fetches a contract in the like in the realm more of DK Metcalf. I think you can get them still at a relatively comparable price. Um, DK Metcalf being a little cheaper. I'll press you on that. Are you, would you take the cheaper Metcalf price, which I think you can get, and you could, you could probably, if you wanted Metcalf, sell your DJ more and get a little, little something on the side. Is right. that, is that the side you want? You're, you're still, oh, I'm definitely chiming in after you, Matt. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> Luke, I don't remember what we did in that exercise. Did you pick Metcalf on your team or not? No, no, no. My wide receivers were, were largely trash, if you remember. Okay, no, okay. so we, 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 th- we, th- we kind of put Metcalf, in, like Metcalf and more in like the $25 million range, give or take. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so I, I personally would rather, rather have Metcalf. Number one, I think he's tethered to a better offense, a, better, a, a way better quarterback. I really I like DJ Moore. I've had him on my teams and and everything else. But I I just given given what's there, the fact that you have McCaffrey with his touches, I'm not worried about the other guys and their touch. I think that obviously Moore is is the second option on that team behind McCaffrey. But but for me, it's it's really just about like that his AD his quote unquote ADP so to speak, and his price and Rally Sports Online is just capping his upside. I, I mean I I think you're you're paying like top 10 receiver prices for a guy that I think is kind of more, more like wide receiver 20 or 24. And I, and I, and, and I think we've, we've seen this in the community before. And I, I think, you know, not to make the bridge cause they went to the same college, but they kind of have similar traits. It's Stefan Diggs. And, you know, as great as like, I love Stefan Diggs. I sent you the autograph photo from Christine auction of him. And then he got traded the bill. It's like a sweet photo, like signed in like Viking yellow and everything else that gets traded to the bills. But anyways, like I, to me, like as much as the community has loved Diggs, he hasn't been a top 10 fantasy wide out, like in, in terms of like production over the course of a year. So I, I, I would rather have Metcalf myself and, and then I think there's just there's other guys that I, I think that I would take my chances with. So that's why I'm on that hill. I like it. So, uh, Jake, you said, that's... yeah, go for it, man. You said Yeah, you because uh, uh, I'm definitely off on DJ Moore, and it's not DJ Moore the player. This goes back to the situation thing. It's what is Teddy Bridgewater? And what has Teddy Bridgewater been for his entire career? Uh, just the fact that I look at him last year and his yards per attempt and yards per completion went down with the Saints after, like, what it already was. And it's not that I don't think – like, 
we, people already forget that we have the transition of Joe Brady coming to this team, which he just made LSU what it was. And the reason we're talking about Joe Burrow is partly because of Joe Brady. So I'm not saying it's out of the realm of possibilities that Teddy, you know, breaks out finally. But I think this is a great comparison to what you're talking about because what's Metcalf's potential? He takes over the number one spot from Lockett, and then he has top ten upside. DJ Moore's already the number one. Where, like, where is he going to go from here? His only upside is being what he was last year, maybe a few spots higher. It's all downside with him. With the flip side, to your point, DK Metcalf could overtake Lockett, become the number one, and I think that's a great comparison to make between the two, that if you're going to get the discount with Lockett, then why not take the guy who can go up and not – like, basically, it's like 80-20 up for him, and it's like 20-80 on the flip side for DJ Moore because there's so little room for him to improve. Yeah, this is this is the other fun part about the fantasy community to me because, like I said, like we we had a nice Twitter interaction and it cracks me up because we, you've already named some names and I think part of what we're encountering here um, is precisely and I don't know that Goody and I have ever spoken to it, so I'm glad that we're raising it in this context. There, we can call it what it is. The Ridley ADP skyrocketed because Evan Silver released that article and listed him as the wide receiver eight in in like the, yep. and, and everybody was like well, he's smarter than I am. And probably justifiably in their humility, they're like, okay, well, now we're going to hop on the Ridley like locomotive full steam here. And you have like that platform too and voice at The Athletic. So I, I think like that's part of the fun for me is like when you're like, I got to tap the brakes on Ridley or DJ Moore, you can pull out the popcorn. You're like, ooh, mom and dad are about to get in a big fight. So I'm going to just provoke <laughs> this one and like, and like let's see what happens. And so, so yeah, we'll come back with a few of those players because I, I, I think you're right. I think I, I will never forget the moment in RSO when, when in my home league, after Matt Harmon had spent an off season pumping Dante, Mon- Dante Moncrief and he went for like 30 million a year. And, and like one of the guys who was a casual fan was like, who is this player? And that was like the perfect like note to the, he like texted me. He's like, is there, did I miss something? Like, who is this player? And I was like, ah, fair. Like that, that's a good reminder that not everybody is on Twitter with these guys like every day. So, so with that note, we're going to hear from some of our sponsors and then we'll be right back. Hi, folks. Welcome back to All About Reality. We have Jake Seeley here from The Athletic. And first, before we get to some more um, fantasy football-related questions, Jake, you put out an article on The Athletic about 55 uh, serial rankings. <laughs> I, I, I'm just... I'm just really curious about that. I'm like, what's, what's top in your board there? I just kind of came across that while I was looking through things. So you want to be... <laughs> <laughs> what, what, do you, what do you got there? Just kind of I like that you both funny. like both just. I love that you just threw that out there. You're just like, I'm just gonna state it. Yeah, like you. This is no, what this you is, write about this, over there. No, this is this is actually perfect timing because well, so was, first of all, I updated it's top sixty now. It was uh, okay. top. It was top fifty five last year. We did a food like week uh, celebration of like ballpark foods and stuff like that. So I updated it with like five different ones I tried. Uh, it's perfect timing because I just posted a tweet tonight. Everybody kept trying, telling me to uh, taste the Oreos cereal. They're like, oh, you got to try the Oreo cereal. It's so good, especially the ones with the marshmallows. And I tried it. It was the most disappointing cereal I've ever had because it had such little taste to it. So if you want to watch, I actually did the review. It definitely wouldn't even crack my top 20. I was highly disappointed, and it beat up my tongue. Like, I actually lost a little bit of taste on my tongue. Initially, Cinnamon Toast Crunch was, like, third – and my biggest, like, if anybody wants to go read this article, I scored all the cereals in seven different categories. I gave it originality, taste, uh, consistency. So, like, you remember Apple Jacks, you would always get, like, that little burnt 
piece in there. Yeah. So that, 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 that's a downgrade in consistency. The sogginess, so how well it holds up in milk. The, uh, the milk afterwards, like, if you, you, know, you know, you get that mix of chocolate, depending on what you do. The longevity is like how many bowls before you like, you get tired of it or like, does it have a bad aftertaste? And then mouthfeel, like, does it beat up your mouth like Captain Crunch? I did the article and somebody was like, cinnamon toast crunch. Yeah, super soggy, but you got to taste cinnamon toast crunch churros fixes the problem that's the only problem they are so damn good they tied for number one uh if anybody's never had them cinnamon toast crunch churros are amazing that's revolutionary there i, I think jake for some of the people who don't subscribe to the athletic and I, I personally i don't know why not like as a baseball fan i get my <laughs> i get my coverage there there's fantasy here now you're doing serial rankings you may have to throw a promo code at our listeners so they can hop on at, at, at a discount well, here you go yeah, yeah. They don't even need one. If you go to it right now, like, so, and I say this because I even said it on my own podcast. I don't know how long it's going to last. So hurry up because last year, 4th of July weekend was the only time I've ever seen us do 50% off. Right now, if you go to any of our fancy football articles, including my serial rankings, you should be able to scroll to the bottom. If you're not a subscriber and you have the choice 30 days free or 50% off your first year. And I keep telling people, take the 50% off the first year because I'm, you're not going to, once that goes away, I don't think it's ever coming back. Yeah, no, I know. I've, I've subscribed for like three years now. I got, I got like a t-shirt the first year. I wear it all the time, including on this pod. So, Oh, you got the, the old school t-shirt. Yeah, I, that, I didn't even the get black that one. one with the A. It's yeah. cool. Yeah, I, I love it. So it's good stuff. My, my buddy, Zach Meisel over at The Athletic with his Cleveland Indians baseball coverage. Got to meet him while I was passing through Cleveland last year. Super good, good guy. Uh, so let's talk a little bit. I think we, we've plucked some stuff about value, but including like you've done some pieces on overrated and value. And I think I particularly came across this fantasy football dumpster diving. So yep. it's called, it called Aaron Rodgers, Luke's favorite quarterback is a Vikings fan and <laughs> 10, 10 more terrific values. And is there anyone that jumped out to you? We haven't really talked much about the quarterback position. So we could talk about a cut, you know, quarterback, maybe a couple of running backs. We've talked about some receivers before. And then, you know, you have a guy on there who, with this Raheem Mostert news, is, uh, you know, know. maybe may more appealing. So why don't, why don't we hit that, too? Yeah, uh, Tevin Coleman made that list. Uh, so dumpster diving is something I've been doing for years now. It's basically – and it, it comes down to the whole the, – the bias people have after somebody's burned them. And it's any fancy sport, fancy baseball, basketball, whatever sport you have – it's the fact of having somebody on your roster, they didn't perform or they were highly touted and they just completely busted or whatever it is. And then, you know, players never go back to them. They just write them off, don't want anything to do with them. Devontae Parker is a great example from last year. And his ADP is reflecting the industry's bitterness as a whole because, again, I, I just brought him up earlier on the show before the break and I said, after week four, only Michael Thomas was better than him. He's still going outside the top 25 wide receivers. Like, I understand being hesitant. But there's no reason he should be wide receiver 28. And that just shows, like, Devontae Adams, people remember when he was supposed to break out when Jordy Nelson got hurt. And everybody got mad because he wasn't running routes and he was dropping balls. And then the next year he broke out and people were still slow to grasp on. It's, it's that bitterness that you need to let go of. And that's where this column came from. And Tevin Coleman, yeah, that was a great one because even before the most dirt news, 
it's just Shanahan. Like what Mostert's a journeyman until last year. Like Shanahan made Mostert with the injuries and stuff. There's no reason that what if Tevin Coleman, even without the Mostert news, what if Tevin Coleman was just a leader week one, like he was supposed to be all along. So my favorite of this list, because he's also my bold predictions piece saying that he's going to be a top 10 wide receiver again, because he's already done it once before just two years ago, everybody is Adam Thielen. Everybody forgot about Adam Thielen. Everybody's like just written him off. I think part maybe because of age, maybe because of the system. Stefanski's gone. Maybe we can get back to passing like normal again. And so is Diggs. You have a rookie that should be stepping in as the number two in Justin Jefferson. Thielen's in place to get about 150 targets this year. You give me player X. I don't even care what the player's name is with 150 targets. And he's probably going to be a top 10 wide receiver. You're speaking my love language. I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, no, I mean, Thielen is a guy that I've gone round and round about. I got to see him. I was in my only like actual journalistic experience was going as a camp reporter for a ESPN affiliate in, in Utah. And I got to go to the Vikings camp because they had a bunch of University of Utah rookies for some reason that year. And so I got to see Thielen walk on and uh, he was a great story. And I think you're totally right, frankly. Like, there's something to be said for the kind of human being that just succeeds every time they've been given an opportunity. And you'd be hard-pressed to pick a player that has not stepped up in every single moment that the team's asked him to step up. I can't imagine that he doesn't just get saturated with targets as they bring along Tajay Sharp with no offseason, as they bring along Justin Jefferson with no offseason. Yeah, like, I can't imagine that that guy isn't just looking at, like, worlds of targets like to be honest and so and yeah and for for formats and again with rso you start to get into the comfort level right he'll start the season at age Mm -hmm. 30 31 so like you gotta like really figure out how comfortable you are extending guys even guys that you believe in very firmly for the season And, and i think he makes more sense obviously for win now rosters in most formats 100 percent, and even like probably like if he had a two-year option just because you know what's the chances that justin jefferson takes over already next year you know maybe but you know you start to really concern yourself in year three so that's i think that he's at least still got like a nice two year and to your point i think because that disrespect he's a great buying option yeah for sure and the thing the thing that you alluded to at the beginning and like and again i can't say it enough for those of you that avail yourself of these athletic promos and and go check out the the dynasty rankings the it is not brain surgery to realize that the kind of premium that we're putting on these rookies this year we don't know what rookie is going to be breaking out like we there is a non-zero chance that like kj hamler is the best rookie in this class and that's upsetting to hear (laughs) for those of us that like slave over and like think about the rookie rankings for so often and as he drops to like the fourth and fifth round of rookie drafts i mean he was still picked highly in nfl drafts and if you go on there right now like they, like you would be surprised at the names. Like nobody thought Darius Slayton would be ranked ahead of Nikhil Harry. Like, it, like there's literally not a oh, single no. analyst on the planet. And that is worth noting. Like that's, that's a shot of humility we all need at this point in the off season, I think, as we make e- Even to that point, you know, like I love CD Lamb as much as anybody. He was in my tier one. There's, to your point about a non-zero chance, he wouldn't be the first, if he did, he wouldn't be the first wide receiver to bust in the NFL. Michael Gallup's a great buy right now because everybody is so terrified of Lamb going there. And I'm not saying that Lamb talent-wise shouldn't be more prominent than Gallup. But if he doesn't, if he doesn't succeed, if they choose to try to put him outside, if he does bust like Hamilton, and I, I, I'm not comparing Hamilton talent-wise, but I'm just, you know, throwing that out there. If he does, you know, Gallup will be running away to that val- before the draft. 
early drafters way back when were taking Gallup as a top 20 wide receiver. Yeah, and that's – and so, yeah, like if you're on the spot and given the way the offseason go and it looks like there's going to be no preseason, at the end of the year, who do you think has like a higher per game production, Lamb or Gallup at this point? I would take Gallup because my biggest thing is you saw towards the end of the year too when he came out of college, so he's very smooth – but he doesn't always seem to know where he should be going. He started to really stay. That's, that's not uncommon for players coming out of college, even to make that transition to the NFL. And you just saw he was more consistent than Mari Cooper at the end of the year. I think you love to see that. And to be honest with you, if you told me all three of them and Gallup was the best wide receiver at the end of the year, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, I would be slightly surprised, but if Gallup was the best one, I wouldn't be shocked. And this is the kind of player, and Goody, you can probably speak to this too, because you have a lot of love for Lamb. But the Gallup is the exact kind of name that I need to hear as a RSOGM, because he is by far and away the cheapest, both in acquisition costs in trades and in startups. Like you, you're not going to be dropping a pretty penny on him if you don't want to. Whereas, you know, the freshness of that rookie clash—they got like the the fresh baked muffin spell just coming out of the <laughs> oven at us, right? Like, like those guys are they're they're pricey before ever playing it down. And I and I'm all in, but I'm just like gobbling up the rookies, like uh, the rookie running backs rather, not the the wide receivers. And and yes, Amari is still top five, top ten dynasty wide receiver, which typically translates to a three or four year contract too. And now that he's attached to Dak, like he's he's got a lot a ton of love. So yes, you can get Gallup probably at literally a tenth of the price of the other two at this point. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, he's definitely the value. And and look, I mean, there's outs in Amari Cooper's contract in two years. I I mean, I, I wouldn't be paying Amari Cooper like if I had a big Amari Cooper contract right now, well, not right now, because he probably, with the lamb news, he's probably a little harder to sell. But if, you, if you're if you sitting on Amari Cooper and you have a decent offer for him, I think it's, it's interesting to potentially entertain that because he is wildly inconsistent. There's weeks where he just gets shut down completely. And, you know, I, I think like a lot, a lot of people have talked about that in the community. I think, you know, these three receivers for Dallas, plus adding in Mike McCarthy. And, and I think I saw this, you know, one of my favorite, favorite things on the athletic I'm not sure in the fantasy space I'm not sure if it's the it's your favorite Jake of what you don't write necessarily like the 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 beat writer the beat writer stuff like the takeaways from that is just gold like when when you guys are talking to the beat writers and they're coming up with things like Marlon you know that Marlon Mack would add 1500 yards last year if he wasn't injured even Taylor coming in they're viewing him as an Eckler type or like stuff like that. This all a all points to picking Dak Prescott if you can in in different formats because he has a, a lot of talent around him and you know the and I think I read in that that they you know McCarthy with everything else made point to Ezekiel Elliott running the ball less than they did under the Jason Garrett scheme basically. I I think that that's just yet another highlight of the of the athletic. Pivoting to what like one more th- article that you wrote, I think that. Talking like some under the radar guys, some sleepers. You mentioned some names that maybe pe- people aren't necessarily thinking about now, like Boston Scott, Sterling Shepard, Jay Sternberger. You want to talk a little bit about those? I, I, I think Boston Scott's pretty interesting to me for you know various reasons. So I'm just curious, like with what you think with the Eagles, yeah, 100%. sharing, yeah. Yeah, Boston Scott's actually ending up on a lot of my teams, and I'm surprised that he still is, even in half and full-point PPR, because 
I figured more people would be on him at this point because what we were talking about here is he's Darren Sproles now. Like, he's the new Darren Sproles. The Eagles, as soon as Darren Sproles stopped being Darren Sproles, they were trying to figure out how to make it happen. They didn't have the right player with the Wendell Smallwoods of the world, but they kept trying. They kept trying to find that option despite the fact with Jordan Howard being the lead. They wanted that because that's a player in Doug Peters' system that succeeds and gives them a dynamic difference to their offense. It's like Austin Eckler with the Chargers to a lesser degree, but he's always wanted that. And before last year, Darren Sproles was the only person that he had ever given 60-plus percent of the touches. This is, goes to Mike Tagliere of Fantasy Pros. He's the one that tweeted it out two years ago. He was, Darren Sproles was the only person that touched the ball or had snap percentages of 60-plus percent of the time. And Miles Sanders changed that towards the end of last year. And, yes, they were down to Greg Ward and tight ends <laughs> for their passing options. But, you know, there's Alshon Jeffrey might start the season on the pup. And even if he doesn't, we saw that he looked toast last year. They drafted 18 clones of Deshaun Jackson. And now we don't even know what's going on with Deshaun Jackson. Uh, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside looks like he could be here. That's a great buy right now. You're getting him for nothing. Um, but, you know, he looks like he might be one of the biggest busts from last year's draft. So what's what difference is it going to make what two, three wide receivers they have because they're going to ride two tight ends and they're going to run a backfield of Miles Sanders and Boston Scott. Even if they did sign Colors Hyde or they bring in Kenyon Drake or somebody to be Sanders' backup, Scott is still going to be Scott. He's James White without the James White respect. Yeah, and, and Miles Sanders is, is oddly polarizing for the reasons that you discussed. Like, the industry continues to ride high on him. Analysts are making great arguments for him. And yet he has some of that kind of vividness bias that he, that game that he just totally disappeared and Boston Scott took over and, like, he, like, went out with cramping and, like, he, like, cost, you know, at, at really vital moments in the fantasy season, he costs a lot of owners. So I think those vividness biased moments are actually keeping down his, his cost in a way that perhaps otherwise it would be amplified even more as people just because i think the arguments are sound like on the yeah because you're you're talking about the the week 14 game against the giants when you knocked everybody out of the playoffs and then the two weeks after they don't know what happened because they were out of the playoffs exactly (laughs) yeah 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 so like right like that's i mean that's such a real thing for fantasy gamers there's just like such grown man bitterness that we have towards these like kids when they like get cramps there's there's so many variations of it too i mean let's go back to michael thomas real quick (laughs) Two years ago, everybody was complaining about, well, Michael Thomas never gets me 30 points. Okay, so he gets you 17 every damn week. Right, and nobody right. else does. Like, there's just so many biases and perceptions out there. And that's what, like, I, everybody always asks, like, well, how are you so successful? You got to attack perceptions. Perceptions are often clouding people's valuations of players. Outstanding, <laughs> outstanding. I, <laughs> I, I still, like, my favorite moment is when, Goody, you just dropped the, you write, articles about cereal <laughs> like, so, it's, it's amazing like i didn't i didn't have that freedom till i came over to reality sports online when i was writing for jj it was all about net expected points at number fire you know every now and then he'd let me pull a, he let me pull like a trading places comparison to like you know the frozen concentrated orange juice to jordan reed's crop report like <laughs> I, I mean I, like that, that, that's awesome i mean I, I think luke you brought up such a good point and, and obviously jake's reinforced this on this episode is about people's perceptions and the biases that they have that dr renee miller talked about i mean if you think about you remember the miles sanders thing like you know everybody seems to forget that tevin coleman had a high ankle sprain for you know a good portion of the season that tyler lockett down the stretch 
last year was really really hurt like to the point that the 49ers had to lend him like medical equipment to use on the sideline like you know I think that people forget these things I mean I remember in one of my first reality sports online rookie drafts I think I drafted Devontae Freeman like 2.02 and and he was unusable as a rookie he was and Steven Jackson was kind of at the end of his career. And then next thing you know, like Devontae Freeman was a top five running back, like within a couple of games. And he had like a 200 yard game and three touchdowns against the Cowboys in his second year. And people forget about this stuff. So like when Jake's talking about J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, sure, like the, 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 there's opportunity here for these guys like that we cast aside, like, like Devontae Parker. And I think it's even – that bias is magnified in Rally Sports Online because you're attaching some type of contract to those guys. Yeah. And, and, and it doesn't even matter necessarily what the dollar amount is. It could be the years. If you, if you stake J.J. Ortega-Whiteside to a first-year rookie deal and you're giving him 4 or $5 million a year and he got you like 15 receptions last year, was unusable then a you probably need to go back on your process a little bit too because you're rookie wide receivers and some of that narrative maybe but b like you you your butt hurts from that and you <laughs> you're probably pretty willing to get out of him pretty easily you know I, sorry for all the brashness i mean after taking a tongue lashing from matthew berry for 15 minutes on monday on the potathon or whatever like i i think i have a new new sense of bravado so no and i do think i think you're right on that and it as jake like gets hops into the deep end with uh reality sports online it's cool to see literally right now what's so different about rso is everybody listening to this if you went and offered arthega whiteside owner like i will take that contract of five six million per year off your hands for free you would literally be given him like they would definitely make that trade i would imagine like i don't think a, a single owner that has been stuck with that would say no no i'm gonna hang on to this particular valuation because right they you, you they bought with his potential and they see him as no longer having that potential um so that's really good to see and so jake at the end of every program i ask of our guests a a, a question like what kind of fantasy world would you create in a world absent football i want to modify it for you since uh <laughs> since my love of your cereals thank you so much like how would we create a fantasy game around cereal because i'm like tempted now to like make my daughters go head to head in like a <laughs> like a fan like a draft and like and pick like you know like have them each day we all need content right now right so like, <laughs> like for i might have them use your cereal rankings and rank them and like give the give the thing and like <laughs> Like, like, I think we should do this thing. I'm like really tempted because they, my wife is so angry every time I, I shop and she like takes pictures of what I come home with when I do the shopping. And she's like, this See, is what, what yeah. You take the rankings. You, you, that's, that's what you do. You have to draft your cereals and then it, it, you have to eat only your cereals every single day for a week. So like, do you go with the Captain Crunch or risk having your mouth in shreds at the end of the week? Do you take the bland cereals because you want to be able to poop every day? Like, I mean, it's, it's like all this, the sugar rush and the crash and you're not going to be able to like survive in the afternoon. Like, there you go. There's your, there's your, you have to eat only the cereals you drafted for one straight week. That's what that's, you do. That's outstanding. Well, listen, man, where can our listeners go get more of this from you other than the athletic, <laughs> but like, like where can they find you online? Like what, what do you want to point them towards is as they can listen to you and read you moving forward. Yeah. The easiest thing is at only kid. Cause I tweet everything out uh, like the articles that you're talking about over the athletic, the podcast I have on sports I had rich rebar on and we talked video games for half the episode. We ragged all over the last, last of us too. 
Uh, so that's out there. And then the podcast over the athletic too, the videos I do with Pat Mayo, but like I said, the, the easiest way, instead of going there, 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 just the Twitter account, as you have seen, I, I tweet it all out ad nauseum. <laughs> Very good. And goody. If they, if people want to go f- keep up on your latest exploits, dressing as the Kool-Aid man and getting mocked by uh, luminaries in our industry, like where, where are they going to go looking for that? Find me on Twitter at Matt Goody too. Jake Seeley, thanks for making the time for us. This has been a great episode of All About Reality. This is Fantasy Doc Ock signing off.